we would go to areas where we were going to have, you know, operations, whether it be, you know, uh, conventional or, you know, SF types, and we would go to the, we, we would go onto site with them. We, they, they would clear the compound first, um, but, you know, immediately upon, you know, kicking down the doors and, you know, calling clear, you never really truly call clear because you've, you're in the middle of someone's backyard, basically. Right. right? Yeah. You know? So it's a constant, you know, you, people take pot shots at you or whatnot from whatever. Sometimes it'll develop into something more, sometimes it doesn't. But basically, I would be collecting, you know, ID components. Um, we didn't care so much about drugs. That was really somebody else's kind of. So when we saw drugs, you're like, eh, I don't care. Good morning, everyone. This is Jared Basson with Mark McCain, and you are listening to Triumph Every Day, where we discuss the journeys that shaped the lives of our guests and how it brought them to where they are today. And a very special, very, God, you hey, good. Thanks, man. <laughs> Welcome, Jerome Kunkel. Did I say yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, good, oh, good job. Good job. Welcome. Jerome just moved back to the area, um, kind of all over the place, but you were here for a while, and mm-hmm. then you went away for a while, and now you're back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I was like to start. Just maybe give everybody a little rundown of uh, where you're from uh, originally and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, originally from Villa Hills, from the area. Um, went to Villa Madonna High School. I think I got there three years after it went co-ed. So, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, it, it was an all-girls school for years and years. But um, brothers went to Cuffcalf. You know, just typical Northern Kentucky, I guess, stock you'd say. Yeah. Um, Ended up joining the Marine Corps because I got bored. Um, I don't know, I was down at Moorhead State, came home for Thanksgiving, driving along Mall Road, decided to cut across every lane of traffic, damn near hit two people. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, not a, not a good move. But then um, within about three hours, went home, said, Mom, that, Dad. That, that place that's right there, like by yeah. McSwain yep. carpets and all that stuff? Yep, yep, right there. Oh, wow. <laughs> so did it like hit you in that moment? You're like, I want to be a Marine or. Yeah, well, Dad was a Marine, you know, oh, okay. so, you know, I always so looked at his stuff thing. kind of growing up, and, yeah, it, if I was going to join something, it was going to be that one, so, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, so I went home, told my parents, I was like, hey, uh, i got to talk to you guys about something. My mom's sitting right across from me, and she goes, did you get some girl pregnant? <laughs> I was just like, no, I, I want to join the Marine Corps, and then my dad's like, oh, oh, okay, and she's like, ah. You know, so she, <laughs> she she was a little scared for me, but uh, yeah. So left, went to spend a couple of years. Fabulous uh, Camp Lejeune. That was a good time. Uh, North Carolina. Okay. It's uh, yeah, it's it's a great place. You know, <laughs> amenities are <laughs> spectacular. Yeah, yeah. You know, you get. I'm not gonna say what I was about to say, but it was uh, yeah, it was an interesting time. Good time. Um, but then um, was able to was fortunate enough to get a scholarship and went back to back to school. Ended up at uh, Miami University up in Oxford. Cool. Loved it up there, man. That place is amazing. So, yeah, it's a good time. We used to. I won't tell some of the stories, but we used to. We used oh, I can to, imagine. We used to party up there a little bit. Well, was, you were from. You went to Bowling Green, right? Went to Bowling Green, yeah. So the, uh, um, God, what is the division they're all in? The o, is that the Ohio Valley? Or used to be the OVC, right? Yeah, it's not anymore. I keep thinking GCL, but that was Greater Are you Catholic Colleges. Yeah, I thought it was the Mac. Yeah, it's Mac College. That's right. Okay. GCL was high school stuff. Yeah. Mm. It was like. Oh, we won the GCL. It doesn't matter. <laughs> what, um, maybe talk a little more context with the Marines. Um, maybe like, what was your discipline like, you know, before the Marines? And then uh, mm. I feel like that's yeah, the big that's, thing that's always a big always thing with people. About. We just had a yeah. guy we trained here for about four months, and then he went to Marines, and 
let's just say he wasn't an early bird, like he would constantly be like, oh man, I'm sorry, I slept in again. And yeah. you know, now though, uh, you know, I've, I've seen like some recent <clears throat> posts, he just graduated um, and he's looking good. And, and I'm sure obviously he's got a mm-hmm. big time change. So Yeah, it's it, it definitely changes you, but it, it mm. I think it's, it, it's less about changing who you are and more about uh, helping you decide how you want to be mm. in a lot of ways. So, you know, I, I wasn't the, the cleanest kid in the world, you know, but post that I turned into, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say uh, OCD because I think that cheapens people that legitimately have it. Yeah, type, but, but type A. But yeah, yeah, very much so. Organizationally kind of focused and things like that. Yeah, it, you know, with, with high school sports and all that, it was, you know, that kind of teaches you, um, you know, just to, to, to kind of get after it or, you know, kind of be like you're saying type A. But kind of Marine Corps takes it in a different direction to where you start kind of looking at things, I think, a little differently. Um, I was a lot angrier, that's for sure, when I got out. Uh, not not in like a, not in a way that I would get in, into fights in bars or anything like that, but I just kind of, maybe it's the better words, intensity. Hmm. You just have a different intensity, I think, with, with a lot of things, particularly in wartime. Remember, when I went through, uh, we weren't at war. It was 1998. Oh. So when I was, I, I, I was in the intelligence field, and initially, uh, I would be building briefs or opposing force scenarios, looking at the Russians. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole reason I, you know, went to Miami and I minored in Chinese was because that was pre 9/11 when I got there. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, uh, 2000. So I was learning Mandarin to prepare for future war with China or, you know, doing stuff with against Russia. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, September 11th happened, and then everything hits the, right. hit, you know, is different. So I can't speak to post 9/11 Marine Corps training. Um, I, I would imagine, if anything, it got more intense. Um, I wonder if that has to do, when you talk about intensity, I wonder if that has to do with transitioning from the way you were to the way you know you can be, and then you kind of come back to like a, a regular civilization. You see, mm-hmm. you see like, I don't want to say the laziness, but you see like, I know with me, like, you want to shake some people and be like, he doesn't have to be this way. And right. then you see people living a certain way. And I, I feel like that could be part of it to where you're like, I guess what I'm trying to say, I know the way I used to be. I know how I am now. And mm-hmm. if I would have known those things back then, it would have been a lot different, Yeah, you know? And I feel like you kind of come back and you see all this, the same kind of crap and you're like, it doesn't have to be this way. Potential. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so what what happens post 9-11 with you? Yeah, so uh, post 9-11, I, I was a sophomore at Miami at the time. So I, I stayed with my minor because I just really enjoyed the heck out of it. Um, but I, I graduated, and since I still technically had, um, it was an inactive security clearance, but I still had a security clearance. So I went to work uh, with a group in D.C. for, well, geez, I stayed there for almost 15 years at that point. Yeah, a little, no, 12, 12 years. Um, went in between different uh, government civilian jobs and then uh, different contract jobs. Um, I think I'd, I graduated in 04. I had my first deployment to Afghanistan in 05. And I did that for seven months. I was there during um, Red Wing and all, all kinds of stuff. So it was, that was a, a kind of an eye-opening moment for me for a lot of things. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that, and, and again, shapes your, your psyche and things like that. We, we went and had a couple of drinks the other day, and, um, you know, one of the things you 
kind of brought up that stuck with me is like your ability to kind of we're talking about kind of you leave people in your past and things like that mm-hmm. and, um you know your ability to kind of get past the things that you saw and things that happened yeah. to you and and some people don't do you have anything you attribute that to or just um i honestly yeah dad my yeah. dad yeah so he and i would have conversations before uh, before i ever left to join the marine corps it kind of picked up a little bit once i made that decision and you know he supported it which i i'll tell you this real quick just to we, give you, we have we have a podcast we, yeah, yeah. we talk. So, <laughs> yeah, just to give you an insight into the way jerry kunkel is he you know we're sitting there in the uh, recruiter's office and we were discussing when I was going to leave, and I'm sitting there, and there's there's this uh, uh, gunnery sergeant in front of me, and my my dad. He's like, "Well, okay, so we have these windows for you to start boot camp. This one leaves uh, December 15th, um, but if you want to stay home for for Christmas and New Year's, we can get you out on uh, January 15th." And I I looked up at my dad, kind of like, "What do you think?" And he was like, "Well, you know, you can, you can stay here for Christmas and and you know, spend that time with your family with all the other." Mm-hmm. Or, you know, he's like, <laughs> used word starts with a P. He's like, or you can do it the right way like a man and go now. And I was like, well, I just looked at the gun. And I was like, there we go. There you go. <laughs> so, it, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that, that when works. I would yeah. fast forward to, you know, uh, what we were uh, talking about, it's, he would be one of those guys watching a show on, um, like, uh, veterans from Vietnam or from certain things, reliving experiences or going back to where they had these seminal moments in their in their you know in, in their wartime experience or whatever and he'd just be like boys let it go it's done it's over yeah. let yeah. it the f go like get past it yeah and it was always the way he felt about it. he he was one of those guys he didn't talk about it a whole whole lot but if you asked him questions he had no problem talking to you about it. he came in and actually uh spoke to uh, a class of marines up at um well they weren't marines they were midshipmen marine select uh up at miami because i was in the rotc program that's how I got my, my scholarship to go back. And, uh, you know, he, he would come up there and he had all these slides from his time in Quezon and, and some other, you know, large marine battles and some of the other stuff he did. And he would just walk them right through it. And these guys are like, you know, they, they, they don't really know any vets because this is still 2001, 2002. Right. We were only just starting to cycle through Afghanistan, not a lot of conventional units, maybe like the 82nd or something. But, um, you know, you weren't running into these guys that had Gulf War experience. They were few and far right. between. So they, they look at these guys that were involved in these iconic marine battles like Quezon, and they're just like, oh, wow. You know, right. he's, he's just running through it, no problem. So back to your original question, you know, that's, that's I don't have any problem talking about it. Like if people ask me questions, it, you know, like, oh, you shouldn't ask that question. No, forget that. You, you should ask every possible question of a vet that you can. I'm not one that subscribes to that. Did you ever kill anybody kind of thing or, or no if anything it's your duty to be able to convey the experience so that a <clears throat> maybe they understand it on some level or b they, they can see the horror of it through you you right. know to, to not further it yeah there's um that's that's very helpful yeah because to me personally because well, it's it's a fine it, it's a fine line right i mean because there's there are obviously very personal things that happen to a lot of people my my i still don't know the full story my grandfather has a purple heart and a silver star and you know i have the gist of what happened but it's just something he doesn't talk about you know but the same token you know my my other grandfather was in the navy and that's all he talks about Mm -hmm. you know and i don't know if he was in any wartime you know 
situations, but at the same time, he loves talking about it, whereas mm-hmm. other people don't love talking about it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's very personal, um, you know, depending on the person, depending on the situation, but um, it is nice to know that some people are willing to, you know, share their experience. Yeah, and it's, you don't, uh, I also don't believe in chest thumping. Hey, hey, talk to me about this, you know, yeah. da, 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 kind well, of thing like it. We just, I literally just had a conversation with one of our, our members um, earlier this morning and, you know, we were talking about this place and what I love about what we do is, you know, yes, we love to work out and yes, we love uh, fitness and yes, our PRs and things like that are important, but that's not what defines us. In the same token, you know, you had these experiences, but mm-hmm. you're, you're, you know, not walking around with your Marine Corps hat. Nothing's, nothing, there's anything right. wrong with no. that. But it's just one of those things. It doesn't define who you are. You've gone on, and you're very successful now. It's one of those things that I think that you always have in your back pocket, but it's not defining every moment of who you are. Right. It it, it defined, I think, a lot of development for me. Um, you know, especially that first deployment because that's where I saw my most activity. Um, because after that, it was more uh, intelligence collection functions. But because I mean, I think I spent almost thirty months over there total uh, over the years. But um, that that first seven months were, um, yeah, a, a, a little different. Yeah, so it, I, I ended up being on the. Um, <clears throat> so I went over originally um, as an exploitation guy, you know, trying to collect intelligence from different sources and different methods, and whatnot. Uh, and then since I did have that Marine background at that point, because I'd been released from the Marine Corps, I'd never finished that story because of my shoulders, because I had to have uh, multi-directional instability corrected and had full capsular shifts on both my shoulders. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that Bad. was interesting. So the Marine Corps was like, okay, thanks, bye. Yeah. <laughs> Which, we fine. Yeah. Uh, fine, you know, whatever. It, that's how it goes. But um, since I had that background, they put me on the CJTF-76 um, sensitive site exploitation team. Uh, they call it SSC, and I went and trained down in uh, Kandahar for a while with, uh, you know, FBI HRT guys, you know, learning how to process uh, battlefield crime scene, I'll call it, I guess. Um, <clears throat> so what would happen, you know, this team in particular, we would go to areas where we were going to have, you know, operations, whether it be, you know, uh, conventional or, you know, SF types, and we would go to the, we, we would go onto site with them. We, they, they would clear the compound first, um, but, you know, immediately upon, you know, kicking down the doors and, you know, calling clear, you never really truly call clear because you've you're in the middle of someone's backyard, basically. Right. right? Yeah. You know? So it's a constant. You know, you, you, people take pot shots at you or whatnot from whatever. Sometimes it'll develop into some more. Sometimes it doesn't. But basically, I would be collecting, you know, ID components. Um, we didn't care so much about drugs. That was really somebody else's kind of. So when we saw drugs, you're like, eh, I don't care, like at all. <laughs> yeah, especially in Afghanistan, it's huge opium, right? Like. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Huge, huh. huge. Um, so yeah, we, we would clear compounds and you know collect evidence and use it for um, prosecution or you know further intelligence kind of kind of collection via you name it. Mm, so. Yeah, it's interesting. That's yeah. wild. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Whenever I think of, of stuff like that, I don't ever think of it as like a crime scene. You right. Know what I mean, right. Like it needs to be processed and analyzed. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know. Yeah. Well, think of you know when you when you're hitting um, you know an X like that. We already have overhead of the entire compound. We've labeled every single building, labeled every single area. We, you know, you have your battle plan, and then you have the way that you intend to go through the target. Because at this point, it was still Americans doing a lot of that work. Now it's mostly Afghan security force folk with American support. Right. You know, so 
uh, I would have a certain way of kind of working through with my team, you know, uh, you know, the, the compound or, you know, the bazaar. I mean, we did a whole uh, cordon search operation down in uh, central Afghanistan in Orgoon. Ironically with, gosh, I, I, wish, I wish I remembered his name. He went to Covington Catholic. And we met just completely randomly because there was a USO show. And the comic called up him because he was the commander. He was a captain at the time. They said, what, what, you know, where are you from? He's like, Bill Hills, Kentucky. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm well, sitting here in Oregon, world. Afghanistan. Yeah. yeah. So, so I walk up to him. And I was like, it turns out he went to high school with my brother, my older brother, Zachary. Uh, um, and he was, he was known to my baseball coach at, at, at Ville Madonna, Dave Meyer, great guy. Shout out, Dave. Hey. Um, and it, it was his group as the first of the 508. And we went through um, this, this whole bizarre, imagine the, the city of, I don't know, maybe Erlanger proper, okay. where we would basically closed off the area and we were sweeping through kind of collecting, you know, looking for evidence, looking for, for bad guys and whatnot. Um, but anyway, yeah, I don't remember where I was going with that. But that was so uh, I guess I have, I have a couple questions. Yeah. So when, just in the, the general population of people you meet and encounter along the way in a wartime area, how, like, what rough percentage of them are people that are probably bad versus good that are just living their life? Uh, ooh, good question. Because I think, well, I mean, the reason <coughs> I ask that is so many people just act like everyone from that area is bad. Like, I'd have to imagine a lot of those people are just trying to live their life. Mm-hmm have a family and you know uh that, that yeah. not everyone is like against you you know yeah man that's a good question uh i think the percentage is higher than you would expect that would want to do your harm or by inaction do you harm meaning if they knew of something they wouldn't be the ones to tell right, you about yeah. it to, to to protect but you but that could also be out of fear it absolutely yeah. is. Yes, yeah. it absolutely is. And, you know, a great percentage of them, yes, you know, do you know, not want to be involved. They just want to, like you say, live their lives, raise their kids, you know, practice their religion, whatever, all that kind of yeah. stuff. But because um, obviously there's this like hot button issue of, of whether it's immigration or, you know, religious beliefs and things like that. And like just right. because someone <clears throat> is Muslim does not mean they're going to kill you. Absolutely not. You know? No, <laughs> like, no, no. I don't know. It's absurd. Yeah. yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, I, I think in the, the, the cities, the percentage of, maybe in the downtown areas, the percentage of people just trying to live their lives is, is, is a little bit higher. But honestly, you know, all truth be told, uh, if we pulled out of Afghanistan within probably a week, the Taliban would take over the entire country. It wouldn't even take that long. Yeah. We control so little of that country outside of the cities, we control nothing. Right. So it's, you know, a lot of people disagree with me on this one, but just my knowledge of that, that country and the way that it's gone, Unless we establish a permanent military presence there via, you know, something akin to Germany, like our troops that we have in Germany or other places, then we're just wasting our time now. And at this point, it is wasting lives on mm. both sides. Yeah, mm. it, it is a complete waste of our time to be there. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. You know, it's one of those things where I, you talk about 9-11. I remember exactly where I was mm -hmm. watching on television. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it seems like yesterday, but it's yeah well over you know a decade later we're right. coming up on two decades mm -hmm. and it's one of those things where it's like doesn't kind of seems like we're in the same spot in a lot of aspects yeah we, we are we're we're in the exact same spot and until the only thing in, in my in my judgment which nobody cares about 
<laughs> the the only millions thing... of listeners that don't. <laughs> oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> the the only thing that would make a difference is if we started doing more cross border operations into Pakistan. And unless we went across the border and started killing them there, it won't make a difference. Period. And and that's a fact. That's the reason we weren't able to get them the first time is because we didn't have a blocking force in place through Torvor or you know to to prevent the movement into Afghan or into Pakistan. I was in a, golly, I, I was at some NATO conference and some some blowhole from Belgium was talking about how we'd have been able to you know we could have captured so and so and so and so and you know would have ended the war but the Americans did this this and this and I was like. I walked up to him after, I was like, do you realize there was no blocking force? And because everybody was able to move into Pakistan, there's no way we could have ended the war in that first year like you're speculating. Like you're just completely talking out your rear and you're completely wrong. How much time have you spent on the ground there, dude? God, yeah. so <laughs> annoying. So, I, I, <laughs> so I'm opinionated, uh, right? Hey, <laughs> no, that's good. But, 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 your, but your knowledgeably yeah. opinionated, it's not just, you know, Go ahead, Mark. Uh, I was just going to ask a question, uh, a question actually, of um, maybe what's one question that you wish you would be asked about your time in the service mm -hmm. that you never get asked? Ooh, man, you guys are asking some good questions. Because I feel like there's all these like low hanging fruits, like, <clears throat> like you said, like, hey, you know, what's it like to run into, you know, run on a battlefield, and like, you know, those those types of questions. But maybe the intent of my question is for perspective of like, hey, you know. I never get asked this, and I really wish I would be able to tell you guys. This. Or maybe it would shine some light in a different aspect of things that, like, kind of like you said, where I think people would. It's, it's so ask, asking questions allows you to get game perspective, and so much of of where we grow as humans is gaining perspective. You know, mm -hmm. we, we talk about it all the time here is like seek to understand. You know, it's like you need to understand where the people are coming from, and as soon as you do, you're like, oh. That's why this person is the way they are. And in our business, mm -hmm. obviously, a fitness, you know, a lot of the questions we get are like, you know, silly. It's like, can I have abs in 30 days? And it's, it's not that simple. Right. You right. Know, you're asking me, you, you want a yes or no answer to a very complicated, uh, you know, question. The better question would be like, what do I have to do to get abs in 30 days? Mm -hmm. You know, or, right. um, you know, so it's, it's not always that black and white. And obviously military obviously being war times it's very complex stuff you know you're dealing with and you would like to think there's this one size fits all solution mm -hmm. but it's clearly not that simple and the stakes are the highest mm -hmm. um you know so it's i'm sure it's infuriating sometimes when you have that blowhole from belgium or just <laughs> a random civilian that comes up you know that um i don't know asks you a stupid question it's just like wow this guy doesn't get it yeah. But, and, and again, if you don't have an answer, it's fine. But I, I'm just kind of curious because I am one of those people that I typically won't push the envelope when I see a serviceman of, you know, what's it like or, you know, stuff like that. Because I had an uncle that was Marine and uh, he was in Vietnam and left college and went there and he never talked about it. And the only thing, you know, my dad's brother has ever said about that is, is just like one thing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, that's that's my upbringing, you know, <clears throat> in that experience. Hmm. And then no, but none of my grandparents never talked about it. So um, that's why I personally don't ever really probe. Yeah, I. Hmm. That, that, that's a really good question. I'm gonna have to think about that. Can we yeah, come back uh, to that one? We can circle back around. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, last kind of line with it, it, so, somewhat in line with that 
because um, it's like you said, you're you're pretty open. You'll talk just about anything. There's obviously other people who are very closed off. Is there? And I'm sure you've met both and mm-hmm. experienced both. Is there something that we can <clears throat> maybe a takeaway of like how do we decipher what to ask? <laughs> mm-hmm. Is it? Yeah. Is there even is there even a correct way to go about doing it? I, I don't think there is. Uh, everybody's so. And you, I think you, you just need to kind of get to know yeah, the person. Yeah, right? you need to know the person. Like, because my response to something might be completely different from Patrick Harner's, right? Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and it, it, who, who knows? I, right. No, it, that's valid. I, yeah. yeah. Let's Sorry. talk about, talk about, uh, talk about fitness a little bit. Yeah. Um, we can, we can circle back around to, uh, that question Mark had, if you think of something, but, um, when, when did you kind of fall in love and find fitness? Cause it wasn't just like, and we, we met through CrossFit, but it probably started before that. Yeah. 2008, 2008, 2008. I was living in, uh, Northern Virginia, uh, and I was contracting for the FBI at the time and, I had a roommate, um, one of my um, best friends from college, he was the best man at my wedding, uh, Jim Stamen. I was like, hey, uh, let's go to a CrossFit class. And, and at that point it was, I mean, 2008, nobody yeah. really knew about it. There were two gyms in all of DC, and huh. DC is just military soaked. There, yeah, there right. wasn't even one in this area, I don't think at that point, maybe CrossFit mm-hmm. and KY or whatever. Maybe in KY. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But anyway, so I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Okay, I'll go do this stupid I mean how are you gonna get cardio without running (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah so we we went and it was uh, CrossFit Old Town uh, Jerry Hill's gym Jerry Hill won the Masters competition before they put in 50 different divisions within it in 2013 I believe it was because I was I was um, I'd taken a trip up to Bagram and I was in Afghanistan at the time and I was messaging him after I would see the results post out on on, um, Facebook Messenger, just like, hey, keep going, Jerry, keep going, you know, but that guy's a, Jerry Hill's a freak, man, he's awesome, like, one of the best coaches mm. you, you could ever possibly meet, like, some, like, it's one of those things, he can, he can coach you um, technique-wise, but he also gives you the visual, not just the cue, but the visual yeah. that will create the cue, correct movement within you, mm. if that makes a sense. Yeah, no, yeah. Make, absolutely, that's, that's what makes, that's high level. Yeah, that's, a, that's yeah. what makes good coaches great yeah exactly so jimmy takes me to uh crossfit old town and the workout of the day was helen oh simple yeah yeah right (laughs) and you know jerry had me do a couple movements and i was in good shape you know i I was still doing a lot of i was still traveling a lot you know still doing a lot of uh, military type um work i'll say so i was in still really good shape you can do pull-ups i can do pull-ups yeah exactly and so we, you know, we, we start off on, you know, we go out on our run and I'm just like, man, this is easy. I'm gonna, it's CrossFit stuff. Hey, nothing to it. Mm-hmm. Get through and I do, I do like 10 kettlebell swings and then all of a sudden my heart rate Uh-oh. gets to where it was going to go. Uh-oh. Oh it's my like, God. It's up, it's up, it's up. <laughs> just hitting against the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't go any higher. Dude, I've, I've, you know, there's a few times in my life that I just got my face kicked in mm. and prior to that moment, they had all been you know, Marine Corps type things. And I got finished with that first set and I went back for my second run and I was just like, okay, you can't walk. (laughs) You you, you can't walk. So I I wish I could remember how long it took me. It was something like 20 minutes. (laughs) I I kid you not, it took me 20 minutes and I was incapacitated. Mm -hmm. Um, 
What about that first 400 meter run? Took you like a minute 30. Oh my god! It, the, the very first, well, the first run, man, I was like, you know, jeez, oh, Louise, mate, you say bolt. This, it's like the, the second run. It looks like something out of Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. yeah. One behind you. Well, it's, it's funny now. It's exactly it's, what it's happened. Kind of veterans of, of the modality of CrossFit. You know, you can see someone whenever they come out with like Fran 21 thrusters in a row and broken and fast you're like uh-oh <laughs> yeah yeah this person's not ready enjoy that second set there buddy he yeah it's ready. <clears throat> yeah so uh, i'm laying on the ground um after the workout jerry comes over he's like hey man good job you didn't quit you finished nice job and i was just like at what cost yeah. <laughs> at what cost jerry <laughs> but uh Jerry's so a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> but so jimmy drove thank god because i could not I couldn't function any longer. I, I would have had to sit there for a half hour before being able to drive home. So we're, I'm sitting in the passenger seat, and, and if people are just listening, they can't see. But imagine your drunk friend, you know, in the passenger seat, window open, just like <laughs> hanging out, like just. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Oh gosh. I know Mark's got a pretty good story having to stop on uh, Kentucky 18. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was the only person that showed up. And this is the early days of CrossFit. First time I ever did baseline. Mm-hmm. I was the only baseline person that, is so dangerous. Yeah, only person that showed up for class, and uh, you know I can kind of tell the coach slash owner was kind of in a hurry to get out of there, and I showed up like classic like five minutes late because mm-hmm. again I was driving from Clifton down to Florence. He's and, like as he's about to switch the lights off, yeah, Mark exactly. opens the door. Yeah. He's like, ah. <laughs> so it was literally like zero warm up. Like, hey, you be all right, you know. You warm uh, up on the uh, on the row. Yeah. Long story short, I did baseline pretty quick i don't remember my time but you know it was like again it's 500 meter row i think they did the 500 meter row like a minute 30 like pretty good clip Uh oh yeah exactly like <laughs> yep, i ended up pacing yep. i don't even think i could do kipping pull-ups so i was just like did the pull-ups relatively strict i get done and, I, and i'm like trying to play tough guy of course like, oh yeah that was good that was good so you know he's locking up i gotta get in my car i'm driving down 18 and all of a sudden, I'm like, well, I got to pull over. <laughs> <laughs> Open up my door right beside the highway and uh, blow chunks and close the door and on the, down the road I go. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was, uh, it was one of those, like, there, so we, oh, shit. We need to, like, just <clears throat> send emails to jaredtryingstrength.net of your first word. I want to make a book. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. That, that would be a good just one. Like, uh, just as descriptive as possible because I remember, I don't, because my first CrossFit workout was at an Urban Active of like a buddy of mine mm-hmm. telling me like, hey, you should check out this website, and I'm like, oh, that looks easy, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, and you're, you're like, God, I, I would cringe if I saw myself and probably what I was doing, but mm-hmm. I do remember my first fight gone bad, and uh, and I remember being done and like having that what what we call Fran Long. But mm-hmm. basically, all the capillaries in the back of your nose are breaking, so you're, that's why you taste iron and blood, mm-hmm. and you're coughing, and you can't stop, and you're like, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember Will Revis, he won three, three, 350 reps. He won 350 and didn't get it, and he rested for 20 minutes and then did it again, and then got 352 or something like that, and you're just like, this yeah. guy's amazing. That's freaky. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> It's so silly, but but again, you know, it, and then it's all about perspective because again, like Mark said, now we see someone kind of come in who, you don't see it nearly as much anymore because it is more well known mm-hmm. and kind of people get that like, oh, maybe I shouldn't blow this out of the water. But when we do get someone who mm-hmm. starts mm-hmm. and they are just gas pedal to the floor like three, two, one, go, and it's like a sprint, and you're like, 
boy. This is a 22-minute AMRAP, man. Like, <laughs> where are you going to go? All right, killer. So, but yeah, we've got, uh, there's, there's all, all the, uh, the stories of just getting, just humility and just getting beaten down. And uh, tell you what, we've talked about it a lot on here is just how it, it, it helps you cope with problem solving and helps you cope with, uh, you know, realizing what your limitations are and how to get through something without just hitting the gas pedal. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's been one of the big, big turning points for myself was just like, wow, like you can't just, you know, take a screw and hit it with a hammer. Mm -hmm. You got to use the right tool for the right application. It teaches you discipline. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I'm sure that's probably one of the big draws you had originally, you know, going through like Marine Corps training and things like that where you, you, oh, this is regimented, it's disciplined. Mm And it's also obviously kicking my butt. Yeah, and in 2008, there's a huge population in D.C. of military, obviously, filtering through for whatever, the Pentagon and and whatnot. Um, CrossFit was really big. Yeah, it started in California, but I think it really turned into a a military, law enforcement, firefighter, heavy. That was like right away. Even that early. Yeah, That was right away. I mean, I remember seeing that, the photo of the, uh, it's an old, old, old photo of, the firefighters one's on a rower and one's got like a sandbag in their full gear mm-hmm. you know like that's it, it's made not specifically for that but it, it adapts itself self really well to that yeah you know um so you kind of get through your first workout then kind of what happens I, I was hooked yeah you know um went in and I, I, I was there for uh several months and i just i, I enjoyed it i enjoyed the classes um I, most of my classes were taught by um, Chris Smith and Andrea Seward, mm-hmm. uh, who we were talking about earlier. Um, they, they coached that time slot. Jerry coached more, more of in the morning, so I developed a pretty good relationship with, with um, Chris and Andrea. And uh, Andrea gave me uh, one of – she has a nickname for me that she's always used that sounds really, really inappropriate mm-hmm. outside of CrossFit circles. Because the first time I ever tried to snatch in 2008, I did 187. Oh wow! The first time I ever tried, I was wow. like, "Oh wow, this is fun. That's, I'm that's enjoying amazing. this." So she called me Snatch Master. Oh, so now oh, she screams yes. it out in public whenever she sees me. Snatch Master. You know, like, doesn't matter where we are. You could be right. in the dang gym. That's yeah. fine. You could be out at a roller rink. I that's mean, awesome. Yeah. So it, you know, that just there that kind of nicknames. stuff. Yeah, there are worse <laughs> nicknames, absolutely. <laughs> but it was just the. The relationship that you develop with with the coach, especially early on, in that, well, and not to mention um, having good coaches early oh, on. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I think I can't. It, it's it's so imperative. Yeah, because that's uh, when when you're starting, you don't really know the difference, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you, as you kind of get into it more, and, and again, this is this is across the board. Whether it's you know you work as a banker or you work as you know a, a ticket salesman at Kings Island like it doesn't matter if you're if you have good managers and people that are above you teaching you to do it properly it makes a massive difference absolutely yeah it and I was very very lucky to start you know in into CrossFit with coaches like Jerry Andrea and and, and Chris so then like what always happens with me I got deployed so I I left for another I think eight or nine months at that point And I came back, and Chris and Andrea had broken off and started their own. That's when mm-hmm. um, Trident came along. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, you know, I had that close relationship with them. You know, based on the fact that I coached all my, you know, classes. Nothing against Jerry; still love the guy. He's an awesome, awesome guy. But you know, I, I started attending Chris and Andrea's at that point, and um, 
you know, I kind of just worked out for a while and then they put me through uh, my level one and I started uh, coaching there. Uh, great. You know, it, 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 to, to give you an idea of size. So in two, this, this is in 2010 now. You know, CrossFit gyms weren't these huge monolithic structures that they are now. Like most of them were a lot smaller. But Chris and Andrew were one of the few places that had a gym. Like they found a warehouse, like mm -hmm. a proper warehouse for it. And, you know, they had like 400 members, like wow. 400 plus. So our class sizes would be, you know, to, to, run, to, lead a to, to run a class between 30 and 40 people back to back to back to back to back yeah. Yeah. was standard there. Yeah. Uh, so we would have, you know, red shirts, head coaches, and we would have blue shirts, assistant coaches. So you would have anywhere from three to four coaches working every class. That's absolutely necessary. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You know, kind of going around correcting form. You know, just so while the while the you know the red shirts kind of walking through the demo and and showing everybody, the blue shirts are walking around helping people correct themselves and you know doing a lot of the the physical touch with the, with the with the clients at that point. So, um, yeah, coached there for a while. Uh, loved it. You know, there's you know still friends to this day. Uh, good, good buddy of mine, um, still, uh, still coaches there. Uh, Marcus White, another one. Um, Matt Wilson, he he moved away, so he coaches at a different spot now. But you know, just even, even now, some of the best coaches I've ever ever run into. Like those guys can fix anybody. And Andrea won, Andrea won the the Masters National Weightlifting Competition, something like four years in a row in Italy. Wow. Yeah, That's she's crazy. gymnast. You know, just. Yeah. Strong, perfect movement. Yeah, they, you know that kind of. Uh, did my level one in 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. Um, and basically, she she was the demo person for all the lifts because she moved so well. Mm -hmm. And both of them very just kind, you know, mm -hmm. uh, very open to talk to. Because again, being on a CrossFit level one staff is always this prestigious yeah. kind of honor, and and they definitely seemed very down to earth and and very uh, approachable with uh oh yeah because again at the time i knew nothing <laughs> i mean again i think the more we learn the more we realize we don't know but especially <laughs> oh, it's, originally it's scary. At level yeah. <laughs> one, i'm like a little uh, yeah this is this is rough and it was kind of cool we did it in the original rogue um uh facility and we literally uh had thousands of barbells all around us throwing mm -hmm. the, throwing that's the awesome I, I, so was my, cool. mine was there as well and i yeah. just remember you're like you hear the uh the sound of like a tig welder like you know taking off in the background you turn around there's just two guys like like welds two pieces of metal together he's like hey, that's cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll road. sell that <laughs> probably gonna be a billion dollar business one day Who yeah knows? chris oh, just man. told chris just said that they're uh the you know we're how many weeks from the arnold uh, probably like three weeks three weeks their uh, rogues putting out um, fifty grand for uh, anyone. Basically, if you can beat the world record in the deadlift. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. So fifty thousand dollars, and it's like that's a call it a gimmick, call it whatever you want. But uh, you know, mm -hmm. he's like all these guys are training for right now. Right. That are usually in this expo are like we're just going to practice the deadlift. Mm. You know. Wow. So you'll you'll see you will see a world record broken. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. I'd like to go up to that. I've I've been I've only actually been to Arnold once and it was um, I used to go to high school man. It was an experience. The amount of the amount of gigantic people there. Gigantic there. people, you know, some mostly non naturally. Yeah, mm. they're, they're they're juiced up. Yeah, big time. <laughs> 
but because uh, it's because it's so wide. And then my favorite thing when I went there was like the outskirts of it, because like that's where they had just like these. It was like you know ESPN ate the Ocho. Mm-hmm. It was like the outskirts of all these things. Like it was. Some... It's, it's actually one of the biggest. I think the biggest sporting event in North America. It is. Yeah, it's, it's massive. They have like fencing and gymnastics and. Really. Yeah, they have a bunch of stuff. Gymnastics. That's they've got. Like Jared was talking about. We walked into a random room and there's just two people fencing, and we're like. Yep. What? They got like I can just walk in and watch this kettlebell like, yeah. sport. They had I didn't know uh, oh yeah, they had <clears> they <throat> literally had everything out there. Olympic yep. lifting. Yeah, there's some. I mean, there's some, there were some big name Olympic lifters there whenever I was watching and stuff like that. But yeah, it's a it's a really cool and thing. It's in Columbus, Ohio. To, to give you an idea of where the sport of weightlifting has gone, is they are capping this year at 650 lifters. They, wow. they had they had to cap it this year from a dead sport. Yeah, in America, from a, from a basically yeah. a dead sport. From a dead in sport. That's amazing. So it's it's that's uh, that's been pretty exciting to watch that resurgence of, of that entire what um, field. What do you think attributed to a lot of the uh, early success with that gym? Was it Belltown? Or I'm sorry, it's a uh, Old Town. Uh, Old Town. Yeah. Uh, no. 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 Uh, or uh, Trident. 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 And how many coaches did you guys have with with 400 members? Oh. 30 coaches. 30 coaches. Wow. Head, head and assistant coaches together, probably 30. Yeah. How do you, how do you, you keep you, that a cohesive brand? There's a lot of questions there. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a lot of questions. Well, they, they had full-time gym manager. Um, uh, gosh, what was her name? Lindsay. Uh, Lindsay um, was a, a gym manager, and I think a guy named Chad Siri, who's the single best uh, coach I've ever met mm. in my life. Um, the dude's a, a freak of nature when it comes to, to coaching, just phenomenal. Um, but I think it was, you know, having that, that gym manager, but then also um, Chris is an organizational guy. You know, he, he came from military. He came from uh, SEAL teams. He's a, wow. like, so not, yeah. a, not only is, you know, he, he's also, a, you know, just a, a freak, you know. Um, but they, uh, I, I think it was just hit organizational structure and That's, discipline on that. The more that Did we they do. just primarily do CrossFit? Or did they yeah. have like no, it's just CrossFit. Yeah. It's just CrossFit. Because you're still in that early adapter stage where people are like, oh, CrossFit, let's go. You oh, know, yeah. They're not like, it's going to hurt you. Yeah. You know, and all these, yeah. you know. People searching for that stream. Creating false data to try to right. no, get that, rid of it. Yeah, that, that yeah. wasn't around at that point, at least not that I could, I could yeah. recall. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, you had a couple of years of just golden, <clears throat> golden time. You mm-hmm. could open it up in a barn. You know, shed somewhere and be like, no, we got 200 members. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I know whenever we, you know, helped out with the start of our first gym, you know, I want to say we were up to two, 300 members, and, you know, in a blink of an eye, it felt like. And we're just like, oh, this place is too small. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We need, we need and, more space. And, and not to mention, space, we need more space. And, and, you know, full respects, none of us knowing what we're doing. Sure. You know, and it's, it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's yeah. scary to admit that. Uh, but again, you just don't know that, like, oh my God, like we you just blew up out of nowhere, mm-hmm. you know. I'll be honest, Drew. I'm like, um, you know, vulnerability moment with meeting you for the first time. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I immediately got self conscious first time I met you because I knew the gym you came from because um, they did my L one, and mm-hmm. I was like, here's a guy that really knows what he's doing. And as a coach at the time, I'm like, I am not on that level. You know, so, and, and again, by no stretch of the imagination, did you, like, do anything to, you know, further that on? Other than, I'm from Trident CrossFit. I'm like, oh, I know that place. And, <laughs> you know, because, again, at that time, I was obsessed with CrossFit. I mean, we all probably were, like, early. Mm-hmm. You're down on Russell Street. Yeah. What, what, it was the first, first place, not yep. the second one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
And I remember when you walked, I was like, oh. And then you're, you know, the big thing back then was like muscle ups. Like yeah. You could do a muscle, and you're like popping up there doing muscle. I was like, oh yeah, this guy's super fit and very knowledgeable. And but anyway, that was just one of those things like I just never forget kind of thing because um, it's kind of like the first time you go and watch uh, a national level level uh, weightlifter, mm. and you're like, oh, that's fast. That's yeah. that's yeah. how it's. That's what to be speed done. and power looks right. like. So yeah, that's that's really cool. It sounds like you guys just had a really cool kind of atmosphere there at the gym probably daily like hey this coach is the best ever and this coach and this you know I just that that's ultimately still what we're striving for here mm-hmm. you know, triumph is, is you know that's why we do our calls you know whenever you got here like we're trying to calibrate our week on Monday and do an all staff call and and really try to have this um, you know, what I want to say like a think tank mm-hmm. of just coaches and, and best practices and, and ultimately always you know focusing on on the members and that's to be able to be at that point in 2010, we're sitting here, it's 2019, it's like, oh, that's, you know, there's clearly yeah. some good leadership there, and, and obviously that's one of the perks of being in Washington, D.C. with the military, mm-hmm. you know, saturation. Um, you know, you probably throw a throw a ball and you can hit, like, a Navy SEAL or a, a oh, Special yeah. Forces, you, you know. Walk, the, you yeah. don't realize some of the people you're walking past literally probably just thought about how to kill you i don't oh, know maybe. Yeah. i don't know it, it's, okay. I, I i was never in that mentality but you know the, those yeah it's it's amazing or you know just some of the people or they're not just that just some of the um some of the people going after the top targets are just incredibly brilliant mm. yeah. just absolutely you, brilliant minds yeah they're not, they're not sending over billy you know billy joe from no you know southern west virginia no with a, with a shotgun it's it, like there yeah it well, somebody put it there, there's a guy I know I won't, I won't say his name but um, he was an army commander and he was taking over command of, of a group and someone put it best they said that he's going to be coming in with a velvet coated hammer hmm. because the guy was all kinds of cerebral but he was just one of those guys that could also translate it call you on your BS hmm. And and just organize like a, a structure into something, like take a take a group that wasn't doing anything, and turn them into one of the top wow. units. Like yeah. just a one of those guys, just that, that unique ability of being incredibly intelligent, but also a fantastic leader that inspires the people underneath them to buy into his vision. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what you're talking about, getting your members to buy into your vision and move mm-hmm. forward from there. Right. Just I've been listening to a lot of. Uh like Jocko and David Goggins. Like yeah, yeah. Books. One of the things that Goggins says is uh, being uncommon amongst the uncommon. Mm-hmm. And that's what he always tried to be at the, you know, he was a hell week three times. That guy's, he's a freak. I, he's a freak. I, I mean, he, yeah. he is, but like, that's kind of what you're saying. Like this guy was uncommon. So if you're already, you know, if you're in the military, you're uncommon. Like, I mean, I, like, I, I feel like at least to make it through and stick with it, like that's uncommon. Like the common might be, <clears throat> At least in you know a generational thing, it's definitely not common in these days to even enlist in the military. But anyway, so you're already amongst <clears> the <throat> uncommon in your profession, but it's like being uncommon, and that's mm-hmm. you know it might be a little more common now to have CrossFit, but it's probably more uncommon to be able to do it at a very high level and have a systematic approach and have this think tank mentality mm-hmm. that we're we're trying to get better every single day. And I think that's kind of where I'm coming from there but yeah that's yeah and if you're not trying to get if you're not trying to improve your whether it be your process mm-hmm. or your you know how you personally coach people if you're not trying to improve that in some way you're either you know I think stagnation is as bad as decline mm-hmm. 
because it, it basically is because while everybody keeps every, other people are moving forward, if the second you stop moving forward yourself, they they, they pass you. Everybody yep. passes you. That's a that's a uh, actually a really good. Uh, I want to ask. Starting in two thousand eight, you know, you're now on year eleven of you know being in something that most people stick with for about three to five years. Mm -hmm. What keeps you interested in it? So, man, uh, I just enjoy it. I for. So my goals have changed, like the way that I approach so, CrossFit has, has evolved, yeah. right? You know, I, I used to be super competitive, wanted to, you know, get into all these competitions and, you know, things like that. Now it's, it's less the, the, the competition and then it transitioned. So it went from being in that competitive mindset to coaching people to get competitive. Yeah. Um, and could I help those athletes get to the point, you know, that they're able to compete against other people safely of course um and now it's I, i've, I've kind of moved on from coaching uh, a little bit just because i've done it for so long mm -hmm. um, well, your, your interests change yeah yeah i mean so I, like you're you're under this umbrella right of 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 fitness and crossfit and, this, and the, the sport of it but you're you're shifting around to different areas you know because i'm i was the same exact way where it's like everything is going to be geared towards this competitive aspect of it and then you realize like wow it's like the NFL. You got a couple good years in you, and then you're like, "All right, well, let's. Uh, what else can we do?" Because Absolutely. and now it's kind of it's, it's more of a maintenance thing. I really yeah, I think I've come back around to like when I'm when I do a class, like I actually enjoy it again rather than this like, "Oh my god, I have to be at this level so that everyone knows I'm at this level." Mm -hmm. You know, like and then you realize like, oh, "Wow, this none of this really matters in the grand scheme of things." Yeah, in the sense that like. If I do better than this person, or I get this X time on this workout, there's no effect on on me as a person, you know. And for whatever reason, the 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 sport of it has kind of fostered that. Like, if you're not if you're not getting better friend time, you're you're getting worse. Like, no, you can get better in other areas. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I think like flexibility has played a massive role in in my personal growth because, you know when you're just building strength on top of bad injuries like mm -hmm. that's just going to become a worse injury later on that's basically what happened to me you know it's like mm -hmm. so well let's address the core issue and then build from there mm -hmm. you know and then falling in love with the sport of weightlifting where that all carries over very easily over into crossfit you know if you squat all day wall balls aren't very hard you know if you pull a lot of weight off the floor muscle it becomes a lot easier right you know right so that's anyways to, to yeah, yeah. cut no, you off there. You're, you're absolutely right. I, I do think CrossFit in general, at least in the last two years in particular, is you have fewer people uh, in the general population of uh, CrossFitters who significantly fewer people that think they have any chance of getting to regionals well, they, or getting they, to. They made that a, a, a very big reality now. Yeah, exactly. With, with all the changes they made. It, exactly. So I think you're having a shift. I, I really do. It, it's already started and it's largely rolling of the separation of the professional exercisers from the rest of us. Well, you know? yeah. yeah. And, and it's a good thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. Because, you know, and, and I know it was a big, it was a, it was a great marketing move. But there is a definite truth to that when, you know, Glassman was talking about, you know, we have 500 gyms that have sent athletes mm -hmm. and we have over like 1,500 gyms that have had people lose 100 pounds or more, mm -hmm. you know, like that's where we need to be focusing. Yeah. Like, I don't, it doesn't matter if you've got a guy who's already athletic because those are all the people like all the Matt, Matt Frazier wasn't a couch potato 
you know, that was obese and then right. became fittest man in the world. He, Olymp- he had two Olympic, yeah. two Olympic parents and he was already very fit. Yeah. What's the real story becomes these people who, you know, are very sedentary, who never play any sports, and then you teach them how to, you know, oh, I'm in a hotel, what can I do? Well, I can do some burpees. Mm-hmm. You know, like, to, to really shift their focus and shift their mindset to, like, I can actually take care of myself. That is where the, the, the gold lies. Absolutely. You just have more information now. You have more um, data points. You have a better perspective. You know, look, we all probably you know, played high school sports. One in 16,000, I think, or one in 20,000 people actually go professional yeah. you know, mm-hmm. in their sport. And I think CrossFit now is finally getting to that point where you're seeing these type of statistics mm-hmm. and having that perception. But just because I didn't go pro in baseball, for example, didn't mean I, I still can't have fun. Like I can yep. still go out and play, you know, uh, pick up, you know, softball or you know, uh, beer league softball or whatever. But that's, that's guess a- what? It's it's not. I'm not playing anymore with the idea of like. Well, there's a scout out there, and you know he's gonna pick me up. But that's for, what CrossFit does for people. Yeah, I don't like, know what it yeah. is. I, the funny in, in the world of social media is, is amplified it, but the the funny thing is, is you talk about like beer league, like beer league softball, like rec soccer. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know what it is about like people like will film their workouts. My, I mean, I've posted pictures of my lifts, but like it's like one of those things. Like I don't know, no one would be like, oh. I'm out here just cranking away on the softball field. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, it's, yeah. I don't know what it is about CrossFit that makes that happen. It's yeah. the weirdest phenomenon I've ever heard of. Yeah. It's like just a guy like, oh, I'm practicing PKs. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you're 36. Like, what are you doing? You know, right. but for whatever reason, as CrossFitters, it happens constantly. Yeah. It's just the, the, the weirdest, speed up time elapse. It's and the weirdest the whole, thing. The yeah, I, I'm, I've never I'm 100% guilty, but, but yeah. it's like. <laughs> I mean, we've all posted something. I mean, it's yeah, just funny because I wouldn't be like, well, I'm going to go play an intramural game, like set up a time last video of my whole game. Like, uh-huh. There it was. <laughs> <laughs> See that, that base hit I hit? Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm sitting on the bench right now. Oh, my God. Anyways, man, um, I, I know we've talked about a lot of different things. Do you have an answer for Mark's question earlier? If not, I got one more for you. Uh, I think the uh, what are living conditions like? Conus. I think people uh, the focus is always on. At least I feel like the the the, the deployed members, like the people that are overseas. Which there's a there's a big debate in the community right now if you call people veterans or oh god, what's the other one? Um, I'm sure there's a politically correct term. <laughs> yeah, no, th- that's what I'm trying to think of. Uh, there's a separation between veterans, aka those who've seen combat, and wartime wartime service member. That's what uh, it is, I believe. Wow. So it's even even within the ranks, people are kind of separating themselves. Yeah, in, in ways. I don't know how big the movement is, but I, I've seen it through some of the. Is that the is that the veteran stuff. saying that you should be called this, or is it the opposite way? I would assume. That, I assume like, it's that way. The that veterans direction. would like to. I don't know anyone who's posted anything about that hasn't seen. Distinguish, yeah. Because a lot of, I mean, think about it. We don't have, by comparison, we don't have many people overseas right now, or at least in active war zones where you know, you know, DoD owns the battle space, kind of a thing. We don't yeah. have that. Yeah. Um, and we still have basically a million people in the military. Right. So we have fewer than probably point zero one percent actually overseas. Yeah. Right. I mean, you have a lot of veterans that are like have seen combat previously, but the uh, the the turnover and the deployment schedule was so brutal, 
for not only conventional but also you know uh, SF types that it it just um, they lost everybody they lost me they lost my friends you know mm -hmm. a, a majority of the people I know have have moved on or gotten out or moved into other things because it's just relentless unre like just constant like just wow. beating you down it's like how many times can you put this through the meat grinder it, so it sounds like they need you know it's like yeah well, they need they, to end it and they, bring them home yeah <laughs> well and it's just it's just one of those things where on a on a very 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 grand scale you're talking about national and world stage but like when you don't have this cohesive vision to like send people to yeah you know and that's basically what it sounds like right i mean you talk about 9-11 was a perfect example everyone was behind oh yeah that i mean you that's know good exactly but that's one of those things now where it's like okay what are we doing you don't have this like this idea this vision of the direction we're going well, so it's like yeah. well, what the hell are we doing well it's it's i don't know how much you guys have read on this dude but it's it's the classic clausewitz triangle you have to have the military the political and the civilian populace all behind you to win a war hmm. period if you don't have all three of those, you are not going to win. And that's exactly where we are now. Yeah. It's it just, you know, I digress. But yeah. I think the, back to your question, the, the question that people don't, uh, the, the state of military families when they're CONUS, when they're continental U.S., when they're home, mm -hmm. the bases that are open are uh, a lot of poor infrastructure, a lot of poor living condition. Uh, I would rather they take some of the money that they use for certain things and actually put it towards bringing that standard of living up to. Tell me your feelings on the wall and them taking fun. No, I'm kidding. I'm not talking. <laughs> about, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> and your subscribers cuts by half. <laughs> Either way. Shit, we're down to two. Yeah. I think, yeah. <laughs> I think that's one thing, man. You know, anytime Jared just went to Costa Rica, but like anytime you go to a third world country and you see this perspective of like. Oh yeah. Oh wow! I have running water, and I have you know Absolutely. fresh food, and you know I don't have to worry about what type of water my lettuce has been washing. You know. Yeah. So it's, you know, I think stuff like that is is, is poorly, you know. Yeah. Taken yeah. For granted. We're pretty spoiled. Okay. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> we're we're living in statement of the year, but the, this is the greatest time to ever be alive in the history of the world. We all have supercomputers in our pocket. Period. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But there's the more, more technology in your pocket than the original space shuttle. Right, exactly. <laughs> but you but you look at where we are and then you walk through a village in say Afghanistan where they don't have running water outside of Kabul and even in that it's very few and far between. Right. Uh, they they don't have basic access to any kind of healthcare, whether it be little right. little pharmacy in the in the Kroger oh, or something can, or anything yeah they've got to say you can go to Walgreens and get more medical care than you can in most of the world absolutely and <laughs> um, you know you just don't appreciate it because we're surrounded by it all day long but then you see those people and they literally live in a hut and sit on carpets on the floor how do it, we help just Americans amazing. get perspective in 10 words <laughs> good lord um, <laughs> that's the hardest question ever asked but now you don't have to answer it that, that short of time. But I think that's that's like a big like pain point, you know. I mm -hmm. think with with this, honestly, why I really believe in CrossFit and like physical work, and because I really think, you know, it's 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 so humbling. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, daily. I mean, I, we're we're you know almost ten years in now doing CrossFit ourselves, and it was like the other day we did a workout with strict handstand pushups, and it's like. Wow. Yeah, I haven't done these <laughs> this in a while. This is a very, you know, it's a very humbling experience <clears throat> because I think so many people stay in their bubble and just kind of do what they're good at 
or um, you know never really have to see what they're made of. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think I, there's just so much fruit from that. I think I think you're absolutely right, and I, in in doing a manual type labor, I think at a at a younger age, mm -hmm. like whether it's something as simple as cutting wood with your mm -hmm. dad or mom, I guess, you know, whomever you're, you're right. cutting wood with, you know, just that act of physically working, like mm -hmm. getting, understanding that, oh, there's a fire in our house, it's now warm, or, you know, because you have an insert or whatnot. You, there's right. something behind that. There's a lot that goes into that. And yep, I, agree. I, th I think the, uh, I, we used to, so my dad's family is from Gallatin County and we, we had land down in Gallatin County and my uncles used to raise tobacco on our farm and then uh, you know theirs as well so we would help them with their tobacco crops and I'll tell you what man that's incredible mm -hmm. stuff I mean the amount of time and how hard that labor is to bring in a tobacco crop whew. yeah yep. I, I'll never forget the first time I bailed hay yeah uh, you know I was 10 years old I was staying with a buddy of mine and they're like, they ooh, a, an extra set of hands. They had a farm, <laughs> and they're like, oh, if you're staying the night, we're bailing hay in the morning. I'm like, oh, fun. <laughs> uh, nope. These things weigh 30 pounds see, each. See and we got to stack them you know, mm -hmm. 20 feet tall. It's like, what? It's like the equivalent of taking your first run on helm as a but, You know, I think that's why. <laughs> yeah. I, that's, yeah, yeah. You know, I really like Micro um, and his dirty jobs mm -hmm. and shining a light into the that industry and, and just. I mean, you know, when people are complaining about unemployment or, oh, they're not paying me enough, or, hey, here's a job that's, you know, a, a damn good job, but you got to get your hands dirty. Yeah. And so many people don't want to do that. And I feel like, you know, even though we see a lot of white collar type type jobs and, and most of our prior members mm -hmm. are, are doing that, but this is their opportunity to kind of get their hands dirty. You know, yeah. so we provide that perspective mm -hmm. of like, hey, you know, it's earned, not given. You know, oh, yeah. there's there's not a debate whether we're going to work hard today. We're mm -hmm. working hard today, and exactly. if you continue to do this repetitively over and over again, you make it a habit. Guess what? You'll see results. Yeah. And yeah. So there's a there's a good quote. It's not a quote, but the guy talks about um, basically being recession proof. Uh, and his whole thing is he's like basically do a lot of work for free, and eventually mm -hmm. you know, that's a whole another way of thinking. But one of the things he talks about is like he's like money comes with basically scarcity and you know a need and he's like he's like you want to make a bunch of money he's like m learn how to put out oil fat fires and you know in texas he's like you'll make a lot of money mm -hmm. he's like is it dangerous absolutely you know like it's just one of those things that not a lot of people want to do mm -hmm. but right. there's your job if you want to make a lot of money you mm -hmm. know people just don't want to necessarily work or put yeah. them, themselves in danger to do so so anyways um we, we always like to finish man with a, just a simple question just your your definition of success definition of success um i think it, it's being able to set a goal whatever that goal is no matter how large or how small because there's different levels of success right it's being able to set that goal and move toward it in a in a dedicated and um, meaningful way to to that you know the goal has to be attainable obviously it's one of the key tenets of successful goals yeah. but you know being able to move toward it in a way that you know you you find value in not only getting to that goal or not only reaching that goal but getting to it mm. the journey love it. the journey yeah. love it man thank you uh can i say something real quick I, yeah. I, I haven't talked about my wife Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, we haven't got to that. We can go another <laughs> hour if you want. No, it's, yeah. yeah, round two sometime. But um, 
yeah hi honey i love you miss you i met my wife uh as a as a crossfit coach and yeah. oh, awesome. she was one of my students there you go Cra- hey. classic story right classic story <laughs> hey as long as it works out it works out right? yeah yeah so yeah well, thanks thank you so much for being yeah, coming in today man it's good uh, time it's good yeah. good to have you back it's always love you know i love having you around so we can uh you know Plus, I always want to get a beer with you. Yeah, so. absolutely. Thank you all for listening to Triumph every day. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, and everywhere your favorite podcasts are found. Find us at triumphstrength.net, on Instagram at triumphstrength, and Facebook at facebook.com slash triumphstrength. Thanks again, guys.